Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another episode of the Lockdown Blue Devils podcast. My name is J.J. Jackson, and it's so great to have you here with us on Thursday, July 19th, or July 20th, excuse me, 2023. Excited to discuss everything going on in the life of Duke Athletics. Be sure to follow and subscribe to our podcast for free wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch the show daily on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button to our YouTube channel as your support continues to mean the absolute world to us here at Lockdown Blue Devils. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils and follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Very thrilled to bring on one of my good friends, Steve Wiseman from the Rally News and Observer, joining us here on the program today, discussing a lot going on in the world of Duke Athletics. Steve, the time is always greatly appreciated. Here we are in the month of July, and sports at the college level are right around the corner. I hope you're doing well. I am. It's been a good summer. Uh, it's, it's an exciting time as we get ready for, for yet another year of Duke Athletics. You can't wait. A lot to discuss, a lot to cover, a lot to be talking about, and of course, um, uh, many headlines when it comes to Duke University Athletics is that men's basketball program. So in the middle of July, I do want to spend a good bit of time talking basketball with you. What are those big headlines? What are the things right now today that you're really following with Duke basketball? Yeah, it's, you know, first of all, it's the health of Kyle Filipowski as he comes back from his hip surgeries. Uh, Mark Mitchell's back on the court. Uh, We're hearing that, uh, you know, he's, uh, he had the the knee problem. Remember he missed the Tennessee game. Uh, Jeremy Roach is getting back in action after, you know, he had the toe problem last year and something with his wrist and several things. So uh, the summer practices are getting going and that we're seeing those guys get back on the court. Kyle's not all the way back there where they want him to be. They're taking time with him. But they think he's going to be ready to go when practice starts. So that's the main thing is, is the health of these guys because so many guys are coming back from last year, and we're glad to see that, that, that they're getting healthy and getting ready to go. Totally different than a year ago when you've only got two scholarship players coming back in Roach and Jalen Blakes, and now all these guys are coming back. And here we are. We're able to worry about sort of the health of those players. It feels as though uh, sometimes this time of year it's incoming freshmen who are dealing with some type of injury, Steve. Uh, this time a couple of experienced players, which I think when you're integrating a basketball team, it's got to be a little bit easier for this coaching staff to put the pieces together because in a way they know what those commodities are in the players who have played college hoops before. The players themselves, the coaches have all talked about how much further they are along this year just naturally because you have so many guys back from last year's team. Whereas a year ago, it was a lot of, you know, getting used to uh, the the players and getting used to playing together. Ryan Young even said it was maybe 10 games into the regular season before they really knew how to play as a team, and they really knew each other's on-court styles. I mean, they they practiced together, right? But until you get in games, you don't know. Well, this year you've got almost the entire team involved in, in major games together, winning the ACC championship, going to the NCAA tournament, playing games like that. They, they know what they're doing. So now it's just a matter of those few freshmen getting them into the mix. But, you know, really we're ta- not talking about freshmen being starters like we usually have in years past, right now. You have four starters back from last year's team. You have a a team ready to go uh, that they know what they're doing. Well, hey, talking starters, that's what everyone likes to discuss. And, Steve, knowing you and the number of years that you've covered this Duke basketball program, I'm sure these thoughts have already popped into your head. Hell, you could have had some of these thoughts in the middle of last season when you start to look at the years to come for Duke basketball. When you look at a starting five in this year's team, 
Is it too early to start to discuss those things or what are some of those early thoughts that you have when it comes to the first five to take the floor for Duke? Right. Well, we know that, you know, Roach and Proctor and Mitchell and Filipowski are the four starters that are coming back. Right. So you can kind of, you know, go ahead and write them into the lineup. And then it's a matter of, do you go a little bit bigger with that, with that third spot or do you go three guards? And I had a story that posted in the news and observer this morning about uh, that, that Shire is interested in exploring the three-guard lineup. He thinks he has enough depth back there with Roach and Proctor, obviously, with Caleb Foster and Jared McCain coming in as freshmen. I mean, I think just from – I watched a little bit of practice last week. McCain and Foster are both – they're both thick and, and, and athletic. They look like college basketball players when they walk on campus. I mean, you remember last year Proctor came in a year early, but he was only at around 170 pounds. Both these guys are already about 200 pounds. I mean, that just tells you – that they're physically in a different place, right? Maybe like Trevor Keels was maybe two years ago, you thought when he came in. So they can go with, you know, Foster at that third guard and 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 really, you know, attack people that way. Uh, maybe maybe TJ Power could come in at that other, that other wing instead of Foster, and then you go a little bit bigger at times. Uh, maybe you can go with Filipowski and Young in that lineup and uh, and go a little bit bigger, uh, even, even bigger than I mentioned before with Power. And then you, you can attack people that way. So they have a lot of flexibility, but a lot, a lot of depth too. A lot of maybes this time of year, Steve. So it feels like uh, we do have a little bit more time to kind of get these things figured out in terms of who's going to be that best five to take the floor. Absolutely. And uh, and that's what you want. You want internal competition. Uh, it's good to have starters back, no question about that. But you also want the new guys to be pushing them and to know that, that they can – they have an opportunity to get playing time too. And then we're not even mentioning, you know, like Jaden shoot and Jalen Blakes will be in the rotation. They're not going to push for starting jobs. Right. But, but uh, you want a team that's nine or 10 guys deep. And uh, the way John Shire said, he wants to play a little more up tempo to use that defense to create uh, transition opportunities, easier scoring opportunities. Whereas last year's defense was more, they were so strong in the half court, right? You wanted you wanted to allow people to get to the rim because Lively was back there, and you're going to win that matchup yeah. uh, a lot yeah. of times. It, it was more uh, a slower-paced style. This year they want to kind of get out in the passing lanes a little more and create opportunities that way with defense. So they're going to need to be – if they can play nine or ten guys, that's even better because you can really run guys off the court. Talk to me about those three-guard lineups then because this is something, obviously, when you take a look at, at what the starters could be, you know that you've got two guards coming back. We knew that this would be a major conversation when Jeremy Roach made the decision to come back for his senior season. But what challenges does that present, Steve, when you are trying to factor in uh, playing three guards at this college level in the ACC? Yeah, I mean, obviously, if you have three guards on the court, you're not going to be as tall inside. You're going to be counting on – Filipowski playing the five uh, with Mark Mitchell at the four. And last year, Flip was more of a four. He's, he's mm-hmm. a guy on the wing. I'm talking about defensively now. Uh, he is seven foot seven feet tall, so he can play center. Sure. But he's not the athletic shot blocker that Derek Lively was, right? right. So uh, that's a lot. You know, Duke counted on, hey, we always got Lively back there to make up for our mistakes. You know, he can guard the rim. Phil, Flip could do that a little bit, but last year he had two seven-footers. Now you've only got one. So – uh, you know, that's that's one thing. If you're going to have three guards on the court, you're going to be have to have to be able to to know that Filipowski and Mitchell can take care of the guys inside uh, with that. Or or do you mix in uh, Christian Reeves a little bit? Right. He's a seven foot one guy. Didn't play much last year. Can he guard the rim a little more? So that's that's the downside to having three guards is not being able to be as tall inside. 
Of course, the upside is you're going to be really athletic. You're going to be creating matchup problems on the perimeter defensively. Uh, you're going to be able to have more guys that can maybe shoot from the outside that way, more drivers. I think on offense, you're going to see them spread the court, maybe get five-out offense because Flip is so comfortable on the perimeter. Maybe have no guys inside and five guys out like the NBA does, and then just you know just drive to the basket sure. and get points that way. The life of Duke basketball is something that we're always discussing this time of year, not only what the players could look like, but the coaches themselves making an impact on the program. Some decisions still need to be made by John Shire as he puts together his full bench, and we'll discuss that with our good pal Steve Wiseman when Lockdown Blue Devils continues here in just a moment. Lockdown Blue Devils today is brought to you by our good friends over at LinkedIn. LinkedIn is the best place to go when you're looking to find a new hire. Every potential hire feels like such a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experiences so you can quickly prioritize who you would like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rank LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires first leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn is a proud sponsor of Locked On Blue Devils. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We move forward here on today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils. J.J. Jackson, alongside my pal Steve Wiseman from the Raleigh News and Observer. You earlier mentioned a story that was just released. Tell me about some of your latest work that you've had and where folks can find it, Steve. Yeah, at newsobserver.com is our, is our website. And, uh, and follow me on Twitter. I see you have my Twitter handle up there. But on the video, anyway, for the audio folks, it's Steve Wiseman NC uh, on Twitter there. So, um, yeah, other stories, you know, I was – I was down in uh, at the Peach Jam in Augusta area, awesome. North Augusta, South Carolina, and uh, did some stories about some of the recruits there, Cooper Flag, uh, the Boozers, uh, and what's going to happen with that with that recruiting battle. They're both in the class of 25 right now, right? So maybe Cooper will reclass to 24 and kind of break that log jam. We'll see uh, what happens with that. And some of the other – obviously, Kentucky, North Carolina, Yukon uh, 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 now, they're all after these guys. So that's going to be a battle for John Shire and his crew. But they've done a pretty good job so far. And uh, that that's a couple of stories I have on there. Another one I did over the weekend uh, was about ACC scheduling and how, you know, in the last couple of years there hasn't been as many quad one opportunities for ACC schools. There's been too many quad four opportunities, frankly, which is not what you want. And that's kind of led to the league only getting five teams in the last two years. And that's a problem. It's something the coaches are talking about. John Shire mentioned that, 
maybe not this year, uh, but as he builds the schedule going forward, he's going to look at maybe some higher profile non-conference opportunities to ensure that Duke gets the quad one opportunities they need because he thought last year, you know, they were, um, they were a five seed going in the NCAA tournament after winning the ACC tournament title. And he thought, you know, because maybe they didn't have enough quad ones, they need to make sure they have more so that doesn't happen. So um, that's a little different thinking. Normally you don't think of that ACC being a problem getting quad one opportunities, but the last couple of years that's been, that's been the case. So that's one story I had also that's on the website you might want to check out. And does that just directly go to the weakness or just how down the league has been as to why there have been so many quad four games? Because you're right, this is just something, if you talk to people about ACC basketball over the last 15, 20 years, that's not something that you're used to discussing. Just that how down the league has been, is that why that's been the issue? Yeah, and we've had some teams really bottom out that you didn't expect would bottom out, right? Like Louisville last year. Right. That's not a place their <laughs> program normally is. Syracuse hasn't been – Syracuse, right? The last few years, they haven't been an NCAA tournament team. Normally, they're a Final Four, top 25, top 10 team right. uh, in years past. So that's, that's hurt a little bit. Uh, even Jeff Capel, I talked to him, uh, our old friend Jeff Capel, right? He said, yeah, the last four years at Pitt, he said, my first four years, we were bringing down the league. You know, we were down there at the bottom. Yeah. Last year, they, they came up, and now they're, they're a tournament team, and he hopes to be again this year. So that has been one of the problems, has been – We've had some teams at the bottom that that again Florida State. I don't forget them last year. They they kind of bottomed out. Normally they're a, a team that goes deep in the tournament, and so but they beat people right. They're capable of beating people, and it hurts your resume. Oftentimes, talking about coaches, we get to early June, the middle of June, and it feels as though the majority of the coaching carousel kind of is done when it comes to college basketball. This soft season, we've had the saga up in Morgantown with that West Virginia basketball program. But then we had a change on the Duke bench as Emil Jefferson has departed the program. Tell me a little bit about this, Steve, because uh, timing-wise, you typically don't see someone leaving a bench at that time of year. You don't, and, you know, I, I don't think John expected uh, the Celtics to be calling about Emil at, at this time <laughs> in summer, right? But part of that's because Jason Tatum and Emil are very tight. They were teammates on the 20, uh, that one year that Jason was at, was at Duke. And right. uh, that was Emil's last season. And Emil's only 30 years old. To get this opportunity to go coach in the NBA is just a tremendous thing for him. And it's a loss for Duke. There's no question about that. But it's a, obviously an opportunity that Emil had to – had to jump on and take. So that came down rather quickly uh, a few weeks ago. And so now uh, John's still going to make a hire uh, to fill that coaching job, that that job that Emil took, because something else is going on now. The NCAA changed the rules to allow five coaches that can work with the players in addition to the head coach. Used to be just three. Now there's five. So Will Avery was hired for one of those two new jobs. Now the two new jobs – they can't recruit on the road. They're not one of those positions. Right. So Will wasn't hired for one of those. He was hired for the, the new position. He wasn't hired to replace Emil. So John still has to go out and find another coach to fill that slot uh, to, for Emil, and then maybe another slot for one of those new jobs, although he said he may not fill that right away. But anyway, the position to replace Emil Jefferson is still open and available. He's looking within the brotherhood and also outside the brotherhood like he did when he brought in Jay Lucas last year. So – uh, we'll see how that goes in the next few weeks. What does your gut tell you? I mean, next few weeks, are we still a ways away from that decision being made, Steve? Is this right around the corner? Like, when when does 
uh, obviously it's not ideal to still be looking for uh, an assistant coach for your program that is going to be out on the road recruiting, but what does that timeline look like? Yeah, it's not as urgent as, as you would think because they're able to use Will Avery as a recruiting guy on the road to fill in for because they, they have an opening. Does that make right. sense? So yeah. you have to file paperwork with the NCAA to let that happen. So it's not like they're 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 down one because they they have Will you know filling. He was in Augusta, his hometown actually. That worked out very well. That was his first assignment was to get under the Peace Jam. So good for him. And but, good practice uh, for him, right? I mean, I'm sure he wants to continue to take step forwards in his coaching career. Absolutely. That's right. He just finished his degree in May, so he's ready to, to be a coach now. So that's good. Um, but, yeah, no. so I think I, I'd be surprised if they don't have the hire done by the time that uh, school starts in late August when the guys are on campus and going to school and everything. I would think that would be when they'd have it done. Uh, I know John's talking to some people. And, um, you know, so here it is. We're, you know, middle of, mid, mid to late July. I would think within the next three or four weeks, I'll have somebody in place. Taking a look at the Duke basketball coaching staff and the oper- the options that are out there. You mentioned the brotherhood, how connected it is. Uh, and then also the Jay Lucas hire a year ago, it worked out well. This past week, at the end of Las Vegas Summer League, once again over the weekend, we got to see Coach K and all of the Brotherhood alums out in Las Vegas. And for Duke fans, Steve, that is really special that you get all those guys coming together in one spot, similar to K Academy, but this time out on the road in Vegas. And who knows what types of conversations are being had out there. That's exactly right. That's what I'm talking about. Like I know John's having conversations because a lot of people were in that room, right? All together. Uh, that was like a, like a, a job interview slash cocktail party, I think. So um, that could be where, where they go. But I know that, you know, uh, when he brought in Jay, he's really liked how that worked out. In fact, he just promoted Jay Lucas to associate head coach. So that tells you, and they, they, by the way, internally, they think that Jay won't be at Duke for many years here. He's probably going to get a head coaching opportunity within the next couple of years, probably, because he's, he's progressed so far. So that's something that's also in the back of everybody's mind because he's doing such a great job. And uh, uh, John has liked the the different approach Jay has brought to the to the program, the, the different voices, the, the fresh take maybe, fresh eyes. So that's why he's not opposed to going outside again and and hiring somebody for that that other job he has open. We talk about the basketball player alums within the program, but the coaching tree obviously is extended as well. We saw Mike Bray was in Las Vegas uh, with Duke and obviously his connections to the program and now going to join Quinn Snyder there in Atlanta. Were you like the rest of us, Steve, trying to zoom in on the photo and see who all in the world is in this room and that sort of thing? No question about it. No question about it. Yeah. Who's, who's standing next to whom uh, kind of stuff, right? Trying to read the tea leaves. Absolutely. That's what we have to do. All the gossip and the drama that could ensue, that's for sure. Steve Wiseman is here with us from the Raleigh News and Observer. Let's kind of sh- transition and shift gears just a little bit before we get out of here today. Not only are we getting ready for the second year of John Shire leading a program, but we're also doing the same for Mike Elko. And we're much closer to the start of football season than basketball. So with fall camp right on the horizon, as I asked you with basketball, what's that big headline? What's that big storyline right now that you're looking at with this Duke football team? Yeah, I mean, they have so much back on offense, right? With Riley Leonard and all the receivers, uh, the running backs, Jordan Waters, uh, Jaquez Moore, uh, Jalen Coleman. Can they can they get be even better? They need to get to a higher level. 
of play and production on, on both sides of the ball. Let's just talk about offense first because they're open up with Clemson <laughs> and they play, you know, the schedule this year is, is a murderer's road compared to last year. No question, but Florida state on there, and you know, now they play NC state and uh, all these teams that were in bowl games last year. So Elko did a great job last year. He knows that they have to play better this year if they're going to get back to a bowl game. I mean, because as we've talked about in, in, in many different venues, they can go six and six and be a much better team than last year's nine and four team just because of who they're playing. Notre Dame's on there, all these kind of things. So that's what I want to see is, you know, when they get into practice in the fall, we're able to watch the practice. Like, are they a little more crisp? Are there even fewer drop passes? Right. Are there fewer, you know, guys in the secondary – Duke secondary, you know, grabbing and holding on to guys because they can't keep up with them. How is that going to be? So tell me about the defense then, Steve. You mentioned the offense and so many new faces coming back. On the defensive side, you look at kind of headlines or storylines going into the year. That's a unit that Mike Elko takes a whole lot of pride in throughout his career. What can we expect from the Blue Devils defense? Well, they're going to be pretty solid up front, right, because they got everybody back there. Jamie and Franklin had a great year last year in the middle uh, Dwayne Carter is one of the better you know, defensive linemen in the, in the ACC. Uh, you know, VJ Anthony was a, was a true freshman last year on the outside, and RJ Oban on the other side. So uh, you've got some strength there. You got some depth. Uh, the secondary, um, you know, they lost some guys. Uh, uh, Darius Jordan was a, yeah. was a grad transfer. Was a tremendous player for them okay. last year, right? So they're going to have to fill his spot. We're going to see how you know Miles Jones came in from um, from uh, Texas A and M. Uh, transfer Elko knew very well. He played a lot of injuries at Texas A&M, but if they can get him healthy, he and Al Blades Jr., who came from uh, Miami, are different kinds of athletes, right? Elko says you know they jump out a little differently because they've they've played at that higher level than Duke normally gets. So they need some help in the secondary, and those two guys can certainly do it. And then at linebacker, you know, Shaka Hayward's moved on, so that was he's one of the better linebackers in the ACC. Uh, that's where you can ask some question marks is how they can play at linebacker. But again. They won't have time to ease into it, man. They're going to get exposed pretty quickly if they, and and Elko won't be afraid to to see it and make changes because he knows what they're what they're up against. Another Miles Jones walking around campus in Durham, of course. Uh, Miles Jones, one of the most prolific players in men's lacrosse history, there for Duke. Uh, we talk about the schedule though, opening up with Clemson, and then it goes back to kind of the conversation we had with men's basketball. Change is coming here in the sport, Steve. Are you going to miss kind of the division format as we look to the new frontier in the college football world? Because here we are, there, there aren't going to be many more days of trying to break down the Atlantic and coastal divisions. There aren't. And, you know, I got used to like every other year you would have uh, uh, the only road games you had were car drives because you'd go to for the Virginia schools, right? And Pitt would come in and Miami would come in. And then, and then the other years, you'd have to fly to all these places, go to Miami, go to Pitt, uh, that kind of thing. Virginia. Good point, Steve. You know what I'm saying? That's something from a beat writer's point of view. And, uh, and now it's different. We're going to get you know, Florida State's on the schedule this year, Clemson, NC State, which is great. Duke and NC State should play every year, right? I mean, come on. Uh, and so now they're going to play more often, and that's good. Wake's always going to be on there as usual. Carolina's always going to be on there. But yeah, it's just it's just different, and uh, I, I've go I've going to appreciate it because I like the fact that uh, it, it is going to even things out where the coastal teams are really going to be challenged. And there were years when the lately the Atlantic was so much better than the coastal, and now we're going to get to see what these teams of the coastal can really do. 
Yeah, getting them all in the same format, all paired together and that sort of thing. You mentioned ACC kickoff taking place next week. We'll get the opportunity for all of uh, the media folks to put their ballots together to predict the order of finish in each division and whatnot. Ultimately, as we go into 2023, where do you think this Duke team is going to end up? If you were to kind of forecast, where is the the, the, where's everybody thinking Duke's going to finish in the league this year? Yeah, I mean, everybody respects what Elko did, but they also know the schedule is way different. And as any good uh, prognosticator or a gambler, sure. or, you know, uh, for entertainment purposes only, um, looks at the schedule. And so I think you're going to see a lot of people predicting Duke to maybe take a step back and go five and seven. Again, that wouldn't mean they're a worse team. That just means they're playing better teams. Maybe they can't, you know, we'll see. Because, you know, last year, they didn't beat a team with a winning record until the last two games when they beat Wake in Central Florida uh, at the end of the year. So um, I so I think that's what you're going to see. You're going to see people pick Duke in the middle of the pack, which, let's face it, that's a, that's an upgrade. They used to pick Duke last, and yeah. rightfully so, the last few years before Elko came in. So I think that's what you're going to see is that kind of thing. And maybe they'll you know go to six or seven wins and, and get back to a bowl game that way. Well, I know what we will all be doing, and that's following your work next week there in Charlotte and uh, throughout the course of the year as college sports is right around the corner. Steve, as always, really do appreciate the time. Do me one more favor. Tell me about all the things that you've got on your plate right now in regards to Duke Athletics and where people can find all of your work that you're doing. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the website is newsobserver.com uh, for all of our all of our coverage of, uh, of North Carolina and all the teams here, but I cover Duke in particular. Uh, at Steve Wiseman NC is uh, the Twitter handle. And then I also, uh, you know, do the podcast with Sheldon Williams, you know, the, the Believe in Duke podcast, uh, uh, which we have another one we're going to tape this week and get that out there, another summer update. Uh, Sheldon was out there. Sheldon Williams was out there <laughs> in Vegas uh, with the Brotherhood party there. So we'll get some stories from Sheldon and see how that goes and uh, see what happened out there. I can't wait. We'll be sure to take a look at all of that and so much more. Steve, as always, thank you for the time. It was good to see you. Thanks, JJ. Always glad to be with you. That's Steve Wiseman from the Rally News and Observer joining us here on the program today. And that'll do it for another episode of Locked On Blue Devils. Thank you again for your support of the program. We're back at it again soon with more coverage of Duke Athletics. That'll do it for today's show. Thank you, and Good day.